But there are moments, um, seasons in life, especially those um, when you feel like you have lost something or you're entering into a season of life where you feel really lost, you feel like maybe you're in a a bit of a desert, a place you don't want to be, or in a bit of a a wilderness place where, you know, there are obviously familiar parts of your life, um, but there are certainly some parts of your life that do not feel like they're the same. And you're trying to navigate this this new environment. And if you think about those times in your life, um, as I was thinking back through, this, um, I remember those moments of life really clearly. It's those moments when you make a really big move in life. Um, It's the moments when you have a really big decision to make. You got life-changing news, good or bad. Um, And I bet if you think about those moments, and I asked you to tell me that story, um, when that thing, that, that lost feeling, that moment of entering into the wilderness happen for you, um, you could probably tell me pretty clear me because clearly, because isn't it true that those are the moments of life that just stick with us. We remember those wilderness. We remember those lost moments really clearly because we're in a place that is unfamiliar. Um, We're in a place where maybe we didn't feel prepared, but it happened. And now we're there and we have to figure out what we're going to do next. Um, It's the the times in our lives where it's a first time experience uh, when the outcome, the future is not perfectly known. Maybe we have an idea. We have hopes of what it will look like or what's going to happen on the other side. But honestly, we don't know if that's going to come true. And so we're filled with a bit of uncertainty. Um, And overall, though, it's not a place we want to be. Um, none of us want to be in a place when we feel lost, when we feel like we're in a desert and we're trying to look for direction as this series talks about. And uh, I, the, the time that I thought of, um, I think that most of us probably clearly all have in common, um, as, as, if, uh, as long as you're not too young, I suppose, is uh, 9-11. Um, you know, many of us have shared that experience, the fact that, that all of us generally remember where we were and what happened uh, on 9-11. For, for me, I was uh, in the car on the way to school in the morning. There was a late start. So by the time uh, 9-11 had started to happen, um, we hadn't gotten to school yet. Uh, but I clearly remember the road we were on. I remember um, the houses around us. And I remember uh, that the mechanic at the airport um, called my dad, who's a pilot, and said that someone had crashed in to the World Trade Centers. And at the time, we had thought, oh, well, it was probably a small plane. It was probably a private pilot um, that just got lost maybe in fog or clouds that roll off the ocean, and they had just accidentally run in to, um, to the buildings. And obviously we were shocked by that. And obviously we knew that there was probably loss of life accompanied with that. But as all of you know, the more we learned, the deeper and thicker the wilderness, the desert got. As the day went on, we changed from like what just happened to just simply shock, confusion, and chaos. And we remember it so clearly. Really, anytime we have this wilderness feeling, you remember it clearly, right? I remember um, when uh, Stephanie and I, uh, we, we both graduated college and, and we moved out to Seattle. I had gotten a job out in Seattle right after college. I remember that, that 
48 hour period of moving out there so clearly. I remember leaving Des Moines Airport, uh, going up the escalator. I remember approximately, I think, even what the gate was. It was on the right side of the building. You guys, if you've ever been in Des Moines, there's a left and a right. It's a very smaller airport. I remember the gate. I remember the plane because we got connected to a plane in Minneapolis, and then we had a long flight out to Seattle. And I remember how cold the flight was. I remember the lightning and and the storm that was out the window. You could see out Stephanie's window. Uh, I remember waking up the next morning and eating at the sketchiest Denny's in the world. Not that there's like a super non-sketchy Denny's, I suppose. Sorry for you Denny's people, but it was like one of the sketchiest Denny's we've ever been to in the middle of a not so great part of town. Um, and you just, you just felt like, we just felt like we were in a wilderness. Um, just a couple of 22 year olds trying to make our way into a whole new environment. Um, I know in my kind of recent career path into pastoring, uh, pastoring this church, pastoring some of you, uh, the wildernesses that we've had to navigate. Really, it's felt like this whole journey kind of has just been one long wilderness in a lot of ways as we try to navigate through some of the challenges we faced. And we're going to talk about that in week three as we kind of do a pseudo celebration of our, of our six-year anniversary as a church. Um, but all the times just sitting there thinking to myself, what are we going to do next as a church? Um, you know, did I make a mistake? Could I have done this better? And why is this happening to us? And could I have made a different decision? Or man, it just feels like sometimes we take one step forward, but two steps back. And how do we take like two steps forward and one step back to make this work a little bit better? And I bet some of those are the same questions that you've asked yourself when you've been in a season of a wilderness, when you've been in a season where you felt lost. And maybe that's for some of you right now, especially maybe because of the, this past year and this pandemic, or maybe because of a specific event in your past, or certainly there'll probably be one in your future. Uh, maybe it was a diagnosis that you got. Maybe it was a relationship break or relationship in your life currently that's kind of crumbling under your feet. Uh, maybe you're entering into uh, a season of doubt and questioning yourself and your decisions or financial hardship or uh, just kind of the time of life. You know, as we get older in life, we ask different questions and we're faced with different realities. And so you are entering into that new season. You're feeling like you're in a, a wilderness to some extent. And generally speaking, we remember those clearly because they're meaningful for us, because they impact us, because we feel in the wilderness doubts. We feel uh, the fragility of life in the wilderness, the pain, the uncertainty of what comes next. And so I thought it would be really good as a church for us personally and together as, as we kind of wrap up, when we come to the end of this time of hopefully being exclusively online and now at least going forward, we may have in-person services. They may look a little different for a time being, but as we kind of wrap, wrap up this season of life, making sure that we're entering into this new season um, with how to navigate, how to find direction in the desert, in the wilderness moments of life. And to do that, we're going to spend this series in the fourth book of the Bible, um, or the fourth book in the Jewish Torah. In the Torah, there are five books. It's the books of the law, essentially. And uh, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Some of you know that growing up in church. Uh, And um, we're going to be in the fourth book, the book of Numbers. Now, just a side note, if you asked a Jewish person the fourth book in the Bible, they would not say the book of Numbers. 
If you asked a Jewish person the fourth book in the Bible, they would say the fourth book in the Bible is called In the Desert or In the Wilderness. And for an English reader, the disconnect comes because we get our name, another little side note, we get our name for the book of Numbers from what was called the Septuagint, which was a pre-Christian, so before Christianity even happened, Greek translation of the Old Testament, of the Torah specifically. And, and in that Greek translation before Jesus, okay, not trying to bore you, just trying to give you some information. The Greek translators, instead of titling it how the Jewish people titled it, they titled it because in the book of Numbers, there's a lot of counting and there's some censuses that go on to kind of get a scope of who was all in uh, the, the tribe of Israel at the time. And so they book based the name off of that instead of the Jewish translation, which the Jewish people said, we're going to call this book in the wilderness, in the desert, because at that point in their history, that's where they were. That's what we're going to read about this moment in the nation of Israel's history where they were in the wilderness. And this is really great news for us today, not great news for them then, but great news for us now because we get to learn from their 3,500-year-old mistakes and how we today can navigate the wildernesses of life and find directions in the desert of life based on their experiences and, and what they could have, should have learned. Because nobody wants to be in the deserts. We all want to get out of the deserts, okay? And so um, we're going to learn from them and try to take those experiences to help us move forward today. So I'm going to start with a little backstory to help us get context before we move into the book of Numbers, before we move into the passages that we're going to look at today. And to do that, um, we got to start with um, a guy that some of you may know, especially if you grew up in church. Um, he is known as Father Abraham. And Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord, followed by a weird little dance, okay? If you grew up in church, you know what I'm saying. If you didn't grow up in church, I can't say that you missed out too much, okay? So Father Abraham had a lot of descendants. In fact, a, a three major world religions tie their origins back to Abraham, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. And uh, Abraham had many descendants. And eventually, as you go through the descendants, you get to a man named Joseph. And this is all happening in the book of Genesis. And in Joseph's life, which some of you are familiar with Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat, Joseph had a colorful coat, really upset his brothers. Uh, they sold him into slavery. He went to Egypt, eventually because of God's grace, moved up the ranks in Egypt, became the second in command in all the nation of Israel, uh, uh, excuse me, in the nation of Egypt at the time to help Pharaoh navigate a really trying time in Egypt's history. And so because of that, because of his success, essentially his brothers and father and and descendants moved to Egypt. And so now the nation of Israel is in Egypt. And as they're in Egypt, they multiply, they grow. And over time, over decades and decades and decades, um, the nation of Israel, or Egypt rather, geez, I'm getting confused. The nation of is Egypt um, doesn't like the Israelites anymore. And they eventually enslaved them, okay? And this is where the book of Exodus comes in. So Genesis, Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, um, the enslaved Israelites are working for the Egyptians, um, probably based on archaeological discoveries, probably working for a pharaoh named Ramses IV. And they're working on demolishing a temple, 
okay? And it's just hard for the Israelites. Slavery is not great. And so the Israelites call out to God and say, God, please, God of our past, Yahweh, please help us out. And so God helped them out by getting Moses. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, oh, let my people go. There's so many songs, okay, in church growing up about this story. Okay, so Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And then, um, followed by more weird dance moves, actually. So anyways, if you grew up in church, you know what I'm saying. If you didn't, again, you probably didn't miss out. Okay, so then there's uh, some plagues, and eventually Pharaoh's like, get out of here, Israelites. I don't want to see you anymore. And so begins the Exodus, where the name uh, of the book of Exodus comes from. And essentially what happens is they're right up here, the nation of Israel, and they leave um, the, the, the nation of Egypt. And they probably go one of three ways. We really don't know, but this is most likely their path forward. Uh, partially because we just don't know the names of all the cities back then. They, oftentimes cities would change over generations, the names of them. Anyways, they likely ended up at the banks of one of these three lakes, okay? Now, most of us are familiar with the, the parting of the Red Sea, which is the next stage in this story. But the Red Sea is down here, as we know it on today's maps. Um, likely what happened was not the parting of what we know as the Red Sea today, Likely what happened is some parting of one of these bodies of water. Um, the Red Sea also, Hebrew and Aramaic translation, could also mean a sea of reeds, like uh, the plants that grow out along the banks of a lake. And so it could also have meant that um, God parted a body of water that was uh, really just a sea of reeds. So it was a body of water, but it was maybe more shallow. Um, and then it parted and they were able to get through. And then the Egyptian army was vanquished in the waters. And so essentially they were able to move through and get out, probably not as dramatic as we see in the movies. If you actually read the Exodus, you'll see that things happen a little bit more over time, not this in this powerful one moment in time and dramatic and all that stuff. But anyways, and, and as a side note, if, if some of you, because it did catch me off guard when I was an agnostic, I would look at the Exodus story and I'd say, I don't know how that happens. And a lot of atheists will attack the basis of Christianity off the Exodus. If that's you, let's have coffee because there's a lot to talk about on the story of Exodus. But anyways, back to the story. So now they're a new nation and they're going, um, and the next slide, they're going to go down. So here's through the lakes and they come down here all the way to Mount Sinai. Okay, so they're excited. They're a new nation of people moving away from the Egyptian masters. Yay. But there's a lot of walking involved and it's not very fun. It's a desert, yuck. And so they start to complain and they get distracted and God's like, you need to do better. So they kind of work things out. They get to Mount Sinai and then God made an agreement with them, a covenant with them to live um, as a new nation under these laws, okay, specifically the Ten Commandments plus 600 more. And literally, as God was giving them to the Ten Commandments, the Israelites were like, we're done with this. We're going to go back to the Egyptian gods. So they made themselves a golden calf, an idol, and started worshiping that one, really upset God. And so they finally, they worked through that whole thing. And, and so God's like, okay, now I've given you the laws, and now you're a new nation. And so I'm going to give you new land to live in as this new nation. I'm going to take you to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, which is essentially, give or take, what we know today as modern day, the land of modern day Israel, okay? And all the Israelites had to do is just follow God through the rest of this journey. They would get to the promised land. They'd take the promised land for their own, and everybody would live happily ever after. Except what kind of happens when we go into deserts? What kind of happens when we go into wildernesses? Because they're on the road again, on the next slide, they're on the road again, they're heading 
back up the Sinai Peninsula, what we know as the Sinai Peninsula, and they're in this wilderness of Kadesh. And what happens in the wilderness happens to you and me all the time. When we feel lost, when we feel in a season of uncertainty, when we feel in a, a, a wilderness or a desert, so to speak. Um, and, and certainly something that I've heard many of you and myself included say throughout this pandemic, and that's something along the lines of, I cannot wait until we get back to normal, right? We just want to go back to normal. Anytime we're in the wilderness, what do we want? We just want to get out of it. We want to go back to normal. Well, when was normal for the Israelites? It was back in the day. It was behind them, okay? And, and for a lot of us, that's what it is for us too. We're in a season of wilderness. We just want to go back to normal. And so we take the, the, what we remember from the past and we put it in our future. And we say, that's what we want to go back to. The good old days, okay? Before the wilderness, before we were uncomfortable and challenged and concerned and frustrated. And that's where the Israelites too, they're on this road through the desert and the wilderness and all this stuff. And they're like, we don't like this anymore. This is not fun. We want to go back. And so here's what they say. I'm gonna, and, and as I read this, you just imagine I'm reading it in like your best toddler slash teenager complaining voice, okay? So here's what happens in, in Numbers chapter 11. It says, the rabble with them began to, uh, to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing, okay? Here's where the, the teenage voice comes in <clears throat> and said, if only we had meat to eat, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. So go on. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. Your teenagers never complained about this, but you hear the voice, okay? But now we have lost our appetite because it's just been so hard. We never see anything but this man of this bread from heaven that God was giving them to sustain them through this season of life. Essentially, they were like, God, and Moses, we don't have unlimited data. We had unlimited data in Egypt, but now we don't in the wilderness. We had time with friends and we could watch sports and our political party was in the White House. And now we have all these rules and now it's not fun anymore. So we're just going to complain. We don't want to go to the promised land anymore. We want to go back through the wilderness to before when we were enslaved in Egypt because we're not getting our way and we want our way. So how did God respond? Well, God said, like most good parents do, got exceedingly angry. That's what the book of Numbers says, exceedingly angry. And Moses himself leading these people was also quite troubled. Now, I don't mean to be dismissive of hardship that maybe you are experiencing in the wilderness of life, but you also have to kind of understand why God's upset. Because God's sitting there like, how quickly when things get tough, you forgot everything I've done for you so far. And you're taking your eye off the promised land that I have given before you, in front of you. And all you want to go back to is a life without me and a life that you were, at least you knew versus a life that could be possible. You want to go back to what's comfortable versus go forward towards what's possible. So God's angry. The people are wailing. It's kind of a mess. And unfortunately, it gets worse. But also, this is a great opportunity to learn the most from this story. The Israelites are now at the edge of the promised land. 
And so what they do is they send uh, into the promised land some spies, some scouts to check things out to see if it really was as good as the promised land was promised to be essentially. And so the scouts go all the way through the promised land. This is Canaan. And so there's tons of tribes and, and small kings that make up the land of Canaan. And they go all the way through it, all the way up, and then all the way back, okay? And they get back. And what happens next is kind of this, you know, that moment in TV shows where like there's an angel and commercials where there's an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder, okay? That's what's about to happen, okay? Which is not uncommon in desert moments, by the way, because in desert moments, you're sitting there trying to figure out what to do, and you know you have like a good voice, and then you have the voice that says, well, just take the easy route, get the easy way out, you know, leave everybody behind, just do what's right in your own eyes, and, and that kind of thing, okay? And then you got, you know, the good angel, and they're, they're competing for your attention, okay? So one group of spies that went through this come back, the angels, and they say, yes, Moses and people, the land is flowing with milk and honey. In fact, they brought back fruits that they gathered to show the people how rich the land was, okay? And it's beautiful. This is a picture I took of, of some of the land that they would have gone through. This part of Israel is, is quite lush and green and beautiful, and uh, the fruits that were growing and the olive trees that are everywhere. And so the, they came back and they said, we got to move out of the, the land of the wilderness and take the promised land that God said we should right now. But then the other group came in and said, and a different story. They said, we can't attack these people, the Canaanites who are making up the land, these tribes that were making up the Canaan land. They are stronger than we are. And they then spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, we can't defeat them. We can't move forward. We're afraid. Yes, God promised this, but obviously he was wrong. He was wrong. And so that night, all the members, that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud again, teenage boys. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. Mom, dad, I'm just gonna die. Okay, or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? We're gonna get wiped out. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better if we just go back to Egypt? God has betrayed us. He isn't with us. He doesn't care. I don't know how we got all this way so far, God, but we're just going to leave him behind, take the situation out of God's hands into our own hands, figure it out, turn around, and go back. To summarize, they chose defeat before they had even lost. I'm going to say that again. They chose defeat before they had even lost which is just crazy to me because God had just freed them from enslavement. They escaped Pharaoh's army. They survived the desert. They made a covenant with God, a whole new laws to guide their new nation. God had promised them a nice land. They had gone to the edge of the land. They knew that the land was full of milk and honey. And even then they said, let's go back. And my friends, I would be shocked by this. Except for as a pastor, I'll be honest with you, I see this all the time. People are on the edge of breakthrough. 
of on the edge of overcoming, of trusting God anew, of breaking the chains of the past, breaking the chains of sin and, and lost and, and their own ego and their own pride. They're about to move from the wilderness personally. And in, in, they're going to move from the wilderness relationally. Our church as a church, I've seen this on the cusp of moments where we're going to move into a new season as a church towards God's promises. And people are just like, I got to go back. I'm not going to move forward. I'm going to go back to what I know rather than go forward to what God promised. And it's so frustrating to watch. On one hand, I get it. Because listen, when you're, when you're in the desert, it's so easy to dream of going backward than forward. It's easier to go back to before you met him or her, right? You wish you could go back to those days before you made that decision or decisions that got you to where you are now or where you were when you were in that wilderness, You wish you would have made a different investment. You wish you would have had or heard and had a different conversation with your doctor. You wish you would have uh, maybe not gone on that trip. You wish you would have just gone back and changed your whole itinerary and done something different. You wish that you could have gone back and went through um, that experience differently. You wish you wouldn't have gone to that church. It's so easy to dream of going backward than it is to move forward. It's easier just to walk away from the church and faith in general than to move forward through some experience. It's easier to go back to what you know than forward to what's promised. It's easier to go back to what's predictable than forward to something that requires faith. But my friends, the Israelites in this moment were defeated because they had no faith in the promise of God. That day, they could have had faith. That day, they could have moved into the promised land. They were literally right there. But it was easier to go back to what they were comfortable with. It's easier to go back to money. It's easier to go back to the career path. It's easier to go just find another um, person to spend your life with than really assess what's internally going wrong in your own heart. It's easier to take the easy way out than move forward based on what God taught, what God modeled, and move forward with faith in his promises. But my friends, this is how we can find direction in the deserts of life. This is how Christians for thousands of years have moved forward now because they believe that God had promised us, has, God has promised us many things. He showed them and modeled them through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And now we as Christians can move forward with life now as it was meant to be an eternal life forever. Why? How? Excuse me. When we put faith in him. And I'm just telling you, in my own life experience, this is what I found. That I have found something, I think, that can only be found through Christ in God. And I realize you may not be there yet. And I realize it's intimidating to talk about those things. I'm just telling you, this is how Christians have endured the most challenging of parts of life. Persecution and everything in between when they have put faith in God and moved through the wilderness, moved through the challenging pieces of life, trusting in his promises. 
and you hear some of their stories. And when you hear their stories, you know them because they just, they scratch at your heart. They scratch at your consciousness. And you're like, how, why would they do such a thing? Because it doesn't make sense yet. Here they are. And they're preaching a message of a God who loves them and a God worthy of putting their faith in. And it has transformed their lives. And you can't quite get over it because it's just so significant. And it seems to have done such a powerful work in their life. I'm just telling you why it made such a powerful difference in their life, because they put faith in a God, even in the most challenging times of their life. This is why you not, you can't miss a single week of this series. This is why you have to be here for week one, or you're here for week one, I guess, be here for week two and three, and especially week four, because in week four, we're going to be talking to a couple, Jeff and Lisa, and in their life, um, uh, Lisa uh, got COVID-19 and spent 58 days on a ventilator. And they were tough, tough days. And they're going to share their experience of going through that wilderness. I thought what appropriate way to end our time exclusively online as we've gone through this pandemic with their story of going through this pandemic. So don't miss week four. Listen, I don't want to be insensitive to the difficult wildernesses that you may be in right now, you may have gone through, or maybe before you. But I do want to ask you this question. Are you stuck in the desert? Or are you on a journey to something more? Is it possible that faith through God, could you, that God could use your situation to grow you, to teach you, to mold you, to help you, so that five years from now, you can't quite see it yet, but five years from now, you look back on this moment and you get to celebrate making the right choice to trust him, to put your faith in him, even in the desert, even when it is so hard to do so. That in this moment, you're going to seek that truth out. You're going to seek that truth out because one thing I don't want you to do is I don't want you to use this concept of more to justify being in the wrong journey. Because some of you are like using where, where you are right now and saying, well, I like where I am right now. So therefore it must be from God. And therefore I'm just going to keep going forward because I like it. No, no, no. You may not like what God has promised you at first, but I promise you in the long term, you will. So be careful not to just justify wanting something more because you want it and then claiming it's God's because it may not be from God. For some of you, you have a tendency when you're in the desert um, to play the pity card too. So I want to address that here. I don't want you to be stuck in the desert just because it's so much easier to play the pity card. To say, woe is me, I'm stuck in this painful, uh, hurting, uncomfortable desert. So everybody give me your attention. Because for so many of you, I believe, when you're trying to play that pity card, you know you're on the cusp of what God's promised for you. You're on the, the cusp of moving into the promised land. But instead of moving into the promised land, you fear that, you're intimidated by that, or whatever's going on. And so instead of praying, instead of taking steps of faith to move into the promised land, you just want to sit on the edge and say, woe is me. But really, what you're, what you're most upset about is the fact that you haven't stepped out in faith enough to actually trust in him to move into the promised land. Instead, you're sitting on the edge 
playing the pity card because you're looking at the promised land knowing of what could be, but you don't have the faith to move into it. And so you'd rather just sit there and, and kind of complain about it. I'm not trying to be rude or brash, but I just want to be honest with you because it's easier just to sit there to complain about it than actually take that step of faith. So maybe today is the day where you're going to pray. You're going to take steps. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to do something new. You're going to maybe try a new church. You're going to try a new part of faith and try and discover what God has in store for you before you and his promises. Starting simply with the promise of of Jesus, promising simply with the, the fact that Jesus died and rose again, died for your sins and rose again to new life. And you can have that new life too, now and forever. Just starting with those basic core principles of God's promises. Or choose the easier route. And just go back to the promised land where the fish and the fruit of Egypt, excuse me, go back to Egypt where the fish and the fruit are. But don't just sit there on the edge and complain because you haven't moved into the promised land. Move a direction. Move a direction. I hope you would choose to move ahead. Move ahead to what could lead to so much more. I want to take a quick second here and just talk about us as a church for a second. We're going to talk about Fuse Church for a second, okay? And we're going to talk about this more in week three, um, so I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want you all to know that, that we as a church are still trekking, okay? We're still on the journey. That's just what it is, okay? Um, and, and you know that, right? You feel that um, because we haven't really settled yet. Part of it is because we're a set up and tear down church. Um, and, and because we've had services in like a dozen locations over the years, um, you know, we've kind of always had a home place where we meet, but sometimes then for Easter, or Christmas, or whatever, we've had services elsewhere, okay? Um, and so it makes it hard, okay? And, and we've moved to different communities even. Uh, we were weathered this pandemic for a year now. We've been online. Um, and soon we're going to enter into a new stage, a new trek, a new stage in this journey where we're returning from a pandemic. And I'm just letting you know that there's no book on how to do that, okay? So we're trying to figure out the best way to do that, okay? In the midst of the wilderness that we're now entering into as a church, again, a new wilderness, a new stage of this wilderness journey, I want to invite you not to dream of the past, not to dream even of the future that you hope we could have. I would invite you to move forward with us into the promise of what God calls us to. Because my guess is the path that God has called us to isn't exactly the most convenient, though we would like it to be. I would like it to be. It's not going to be the easiest, though we'd like it to be, but I don't think God has that in store for us quite yet. And it's certainly not going to be free, okay? It's going to take some sacrifice both in time and financial resources and everything in between to make it possible. But my friends, I want to trust in what God is promising. Why? Because I don't want to choose defeat. And I don't want to choose what's just simply best for me. I want to choose what God has in store. I want to choose God's promised land. Because I don't know fully what it is. I try to guess it. I try to steer us towards it. I try to stay at the center of his will. That's what I constantly pray for is God, just help us to do your will. Because that's where I want to be. 
I'm going to meet the challenges before us with God's love. I'm going to meet it with faith and serving something bigger than myself and my own desires. And I hope you will too. I hope you're going to step up and be generous and serve and invite and seek out God, regardless of where we go in this next season as a church. I think, though, if we do that, regardless, it will be worth it. I don't think God wants infused church to go anywhere, even though it feels like a wilderness. I think there will be a time where we get to settle and establish ourselves, but we are not going to stop until we get there. We are not going to go back. We are only going to go forward towards his promises. And I hope you will be a part of that, whether you watch exclusively online or you're going to join us eventually when you feel safe in person. God responded to the Israelites' lack of faith. And some of you know this. He said, you're not going to get to go in. This generation will die the next generation will go in, except, except my friends, for two people. And those were the two people, the two spies, the two scouts that, that the nation of Israel had sent before them into the promised land that came back and told the truth, that said, this is the land we were promised. This is the land of milk and honey, and we need to go in and take it today. They were the ones, specifically Caleb and Joshua, They were the ones that led the nation of Israel into the promised land and established the nation of Israel there that has lasted through much trial, even honestly to today. But here's what keeps me up at night. And here's what hurts me. And I think it should concern you and keep you up at night too. Imagine if the nation of Israel would have turned around and went back to Egypt Do you think today we would hear their story? No. The Egyptians wouldn't have allowed it. But today we get to read God's story. And it's a pretty good one if you read it start to finish. And what I consistently hear time and time again through that story is even when the Israelites got off, God brought them back. And that ultimately it was a plan worth trusting. So let's trust it both personally and together as a church as we move forward through the wilderness. If you would bow your head and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you have preserved this story for three plus millennia that we get to read it today and we get to learn from it today. So Lord, help us to learn from it today. Help us, no matter where we are in our faith journey, to be challenged by it today. Whether we're new to faith, whether we're still figuring out and exploring faith, or maybe we've been faithful for a long time, Lord, help us to be faithful today and for the months and years to come, especially when we're in the desert, especially when we're in the wilderness, to seek you out in your promise to stay faithful to what you have called us to, to not be distracted by the world and the, and the, the people around us and the, the other communities around us, but to stay focused on your promise most of all. Lord, it is difficult to do, so give us the wisdom and the strength and the courage to do it today. Help us to make that decision because it is a decision. Maybe some of us even need to say it out loud just right now to just say, Lord, I'm going to be faithful to your promises. Lord, I'm going to be faithful to your promises. I'm going to learn and seek out that which you have given me and trust in it this day and forward. In your name I pray. Amen.